Hello and welcome to the Paddock Bees podcast. I'm Tim Nash, a beekeeper, always wanting to learn more, and also the man behind the Paddock Bees account on Instagram. This is a podcast for those who've fallen into the beekeeping trap and want to learn a little bit more from the beekeeping community. Each week we'll aim to mix up the guests and provide some insights into the world of beekeeping. So sit tight and we'll soon make a start. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Paddock Bees podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by Saul, also known as Helper Hive on Instagram and Facebook. Those who know Saul will know that Helper Hive work hard to provide individuals and organisations the opportunity to become involved in beekeeping through various sponsorship packages. I can't wait to find out about Saul's experiences, so let's get started. Saul, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. No, thanks for the invite. It's good to be here. So following the same pattern as the other episodes, let's go back to the beginning. When did you start beekeeping and what got you initially interested in keeping bees? See, it's uh, an interesting one. Uh, To be honest, I've always been had an interest in bees. Uh, Never really thought about having them. I grew up in the country, so I was quite fortunate to be exposed to wildlife. Um, I remember um, when I was young, um, to be honest, for quite a lot of beekeepers, that's um, quite long ago than myself. Uh, but I remember a honeybee landed on me in a mild panic. Uh, and my mum turned around and said, don't worry, don't worry, honeybees don't sting, they don't sting. Next thing I remember, the little bugger stung me. Um, <laughs> uh, then then um, I was uh, living in a flat for three years and I thought, you know, I'd love to have a bit of garden. Um, speaking to a couple of beekeepers at the time, they said, you know, what? you can have them on the roof. Um, I, I was un, unfortunate at the time that uh, I didn't have a flat roof or anywhere to put them on, but I think it's a good opportunity to mention for any listeners, anyone looking to get into beekeeping, that even if you do live a flat, um, more uh, suburban areas like London, uh, that you can um, have beehives on the roofs, and it's quite popular out there. But I, to be honest, I bought my house now where I've been in for, for five years, it's a sort of an end of terrace with a long garden. Um, I had a dead space at the bottom of the garden. I had a discussion with my girlfriend what to do with it. She said, you know what, get chickens. We can have an unlimited supply of eggs. And I kind of, that made me clock in the back of my head. And, and I thought, oh, actually, you know what, I've been interested in previously, bees. Let's get some bees. And I thought to myself, you know what, bees have got to be less maintenance than chickens. Little did I know <laughs> at the time, as, yeah. as I'm sure... However, chicken smell and um, require a lot of clearing up. So I kind of binned that idea um, and being a bit gung-ho, I bought a beehive off eBay uh, within a week. I wouldn't buy, buy people to be as gung-ho, do a little bit more research because you don't know the quality. And then I kind of had my fingers crossed for a swarm. Uh, I joined a local association and with no luck, I then uh, bought my first hive or, or nuke from a beekeeper. So and when when was that? Was that was that back in two thousand seventeen? Was it? Is that right? Um, I, I've. Two thousand sixteen. Two thousand sixteen. Two thousand sixteen. So you started off with your eBay hive, and and then you bought your nuke. So obviously, starting off back in two thousand and sixteen with that one nuke. What's your current colony count? What are you up to? Um, it's been kind of a swift acceleration. I'm currently on eighteen. Um. Uh, unfortunately, I lost my very first hive uh, this winter. Um, 
uh, and I was even more surprised because it was even before Christmas, so the cold spell hadn't even hit. Um, to be honest, it's in it's in the garage at the moment um, to save any further uh, damage, and I'm going to try and salvage the frames for swarms, uh, freeze them, and um, use them for hopefully uh, lures next year. Um, my initial thought was it's potentially a high my cap might count, um, but yeah. they were treated. But until I start taking it apart, I won't know. However, the the high the eighteen hives of mine, I've been quite fortunate that I've got two other people that have been helping me manage so i got my mum uh who was interested in beekeeping so she helps me manage four um i've got a chap who owns four acres he wants to increase from three to five hives this year on his land and i kind of parachute in for the emergencies and to overall manage the hives so there's just a few things there for any beginners that are listening that it might be worth just picking up on you mentioned sure. a high mic high might count so for those people who might not be uh, as experienced what are we what are we talking about there what are the mites and, and what are we treating uh, so effectively uh, mites are a, a parasite that latch onto the bees and they hold on for the bees life cycle and when it comes towards the end uh, they will then move into a new cell and as the pupae starts to develop and get bigger the mite will latch on it's um, effectively like having a small leech stuck to you and they just suck on um uh the 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 energy out of the bees um and uh speed up their fatality rate and for those who are listening often a beekeeper might do that uh, twice in a the year they might do that um, around christmas time new year time when there's no active brood but then equally um once you've taken off the honey and once you're getting them settled up for for winter and and august september October that's another time that, that we might look to treat so 18 colonies are you on a single type of hive dimension are you a, a poly hive a wood hive person what's your preference there so I started out on the um, old school wooden hive so I'm a national man uh, I was quite fortunate that I was donated three WBCs and um, I'm going to be uh, honest to be honest I love the WBCs as far as the hives goes there uh, as far as aesthetically pleasing go they're my favorite however i do find that they're a bit more flimsy and fiddly um so i my my preference is your standard bo standard box national height wbc's are just the pretty ones aren't they that's the one everyone thinks of in their mind when you think of beehive so uh so, yeah those are the ones that we're talking about there. yeah as you said uh, when you when you're a child you see all the pictures of a, a beehive in in the the books that you read research see see on tv it is the wbc have you thought about going down the poly route or are you uh, holding out on the wood for now? So, to be honest, I love the idea of uh, the poly hive. However, from my preference, I think it's just a little bit too environmentally unfriendly. I, I know everyone has that argument that the, the poly hive will last 30, 40 years. But at the end of the day, it's not something that can be recycled and it don't, damages the environment. So what do you enjoy most about beekeeping? To be honest, that's one, one hell of a long list. Um, at the end of the day, <laughs> uh, like most people, it's sort of your happy place for any issues you have at home or work when you get, in, when you get there and open that hive. I'd say most of the time you kind of just zone out to the, the, the other issues of the real world. However, um, I'd say 
90% of the time. There's always that one hive that gets into a bad mood in the spring that's overwintered and, and they just want to kill you. Um, <laughs> to be honest, another bit that I enjoy about uh, beekeeping, it's a little bit similar where, where we're talking about having uh, uh, poly hives against wooden hives. I like to think I'm doing my bit for the environment, helping species. Um, that, to be honest, without us, without beekeepers, uh, I, I would hate to think, but it's probably true, it would probably be endangered. I only say that because um, if you look at, I think at the moment, there's um, 24, 25 different species at the moment that's on the endangered list. Um, at the same time, it's more of something else I enjoy. Uh, the more I've got involved in beekeeping, going out catching swarms, I like to sort of educate people on bees, getting them to understand the importance they have on sort of pollinating, uh, convincing people to have kind of small patches of their gar uh, gardens sort of allowed to turn into more of a wild flower and, and also install solitary bee boxes. Uh, as I said, most don't know that we've got 26 um, uh, bee species that endangered over the past five years. Our bee populations uh, declined uh, by a third and uh, insects throughout the world have over the last five years have also decreased uh, by 10%, um, which on a side note, which makes you wonder why the government can approve the new uh, pest uh, approve the pesticide for the uh, sugar beets, which if I'm not mis not mistaken, will probably affect the uh, Lincoln area more than ever because I've visited the area a couple of times sort of uh, during the summer and they've just got fields and fields and fields of sugar beet and if they're approving that new pesticide, it's just going to absolutely de decimate uh, the bee population in that area. And for those who are listening, I know I know there's a few petitions out there, aren't there? Ron, absolutely. And I think Greenpeace, Greenpeace have, have done one and there are a number of others. So um, for those who don't know yet, yeah, if, if you just Google that, you'll find quite a lot of articles that... Um, it seems to be one of the first decisions made post-Brexit um, in, in favour of the farmers over the beekeepers. Um, but obviously, it always gets contentious. Um, but yeah, do spend some time having, having a look at that if you haven't already done so. Um, British Beekeepers Association probably be a good starting point because I know that they've got some content on the website there. But, it, so, but it's a little bit, sort of going go back to it, uh, you look at that and... If you potentially, as a beekeeper, you, I like to say I'm open-minded. You've also got to look at it on you, know, the farmers. If you look at something uh, like oil rapeseed, which at the end of the day, these days has become a massive crop for us. It's it's effectively our spring uh, crop, uh, the backbone of, of producing um, honey. Uh, our production has just decreased and decreased over the years because we've banned the pesticides, which 100% agree. but it means that then other countries that do allow those pesticides um, will produce the rapeseed and then we've got to import it in. But as such, it affects uh, their bee population. So I think from an overall perspective, I think we just need to find more ways to invest in our pesticides and identify new products um, to, to help resolve the problem. So, so apart from that one colony come spring that just wants to kill you, what do you dislike most about beekeeping? Uh, overall stings. I, I think we could all agree that. <laughs> but the amount of beekeepers yeah. that I meet that go, oh, my, my, my bees don't sting. You know, what? I just don't bite. Um, uh, yeah. Bite at all. Uh, my hives, not one I would 100% trust not to sting me. Uh, I, I use um, uh, double-layered uh, latex gloves. Uh, which are fine. Um, however, you know, at the end of the day, it, it just takes one bad 
uh, inspection, a one-off day for them, and they, they sting you. Another thing, seasons. They've, they've clearly got all the time in the world just to make sure they do things slow and steady, whereas when I get stung, it's when I know I'm in a rush and I'm trying to do something too quickly, and then it's a case of should have done it slowly. Oh, absolutely. Don't rush a good thing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. However, the seasons are also something so, that are too short for myself. Um, I, come winter, we're all waiting for spring to restart. But then again, it's a double-edged edged sword because when you're in your peak swarm season, 55,000 bees and 30 degrees, you're melting in your bee suit. You, you just almost want it to end. I'm sure you agree. Especially when you can't wear shorts. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm, to be honest, I'm sure you agree as a working man that the, the bone of, of your life is, you know, you know, tomorrow I've got an inspection and, oh, we've got rain. You've got two days yeah, of rain yeah. over the weekends. You want to carry out inspection. You know, you know, a swarm could be happening at any point. And then, you know what, I'm going to have to wait till either an evening or next weekend. You know, by that point, that point is too late. The damage is done. They've swarmed and they've they've moved home. That's what I'm hopeful for when, obviously, everyone's back in the office and things <laughs> do change. Also, I think there'll be a real shift in that mentality of presenteeism having to be in the office. So for me, I might be fairly selective at looking at the weather forecast and seeing if I can get a midweek inspection in on, on the days I work from home. That's what that's what I'm aiming for anyway. So we'll see what, see what happens this season. But I think that's something else that's a, a great opportunity. I think that in itself that potentially gives um, uh, individuals that flexibility uh, around that job with potentially working from home going you going into the office a couple of days you know they could pick up some some new hobbies whether it is something like gardening or beekeeping uh, something that helps the environment it's, it's just um the options are endless it's only the it's the only way i picked up three swarms last season i mean there's no way that i would have got them if i were in london and so i'll just tell them to stay there for two hours and i'll be along in a bit and uh yeah ne never gonna happen but but yeah, I, I've been talking to a number of beekeepers and I think uh, everyone's got a good experience or story. So what would yours be? Um, uh, bees with a bad attitude. Uh, I, I'm not going to say it's my best beekeeping story, but it's probably going to be my, my, my most memorable one. So I mentioned earlier that I got uh, donated to WBC Hives. Um, at the time, it was my second season, to be honest, I I would definitely call myself a novice. However, someone's offering me two hives. I, I'm not going to say no at all. Um, never having worked with uh, these hives before, I just thought, uh, all, all the WBCs, I thought, you know, how hard it ha how hard can it be? Just tape up the front of the entrances and stick them in the boot. Uh, little, <laughs> little did I know at the time, uh, these were two, two very, very, very uh, aggressive uh, hives. I think it was about March time. You know, the weather was quite nice, but as soon as you even approached these hives, they just swarmed at you. So it made it um, very difficult, but I, I was persistent. So I battled through and um, uh, I opened them up. I tried to get them in a nuke and they just swarmed me, swarmed me. And uh, at the end of the day, I, I literally just had to pretty much put bin bags over the beehive and try and stick it in my car. Um, and then I drove them all the way home and I actually took it to the our apiary wardens, um, uh, well, the apiary warden. Um, and I said, you know, I've got a couple of beehives. Do you mind if I just stick them here for a couple of weeks? He was like, 
yes, yes, that's fine, that's fine. And to be honest, at the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, hopefully I'll forget. Maybe I can leave them sort of two or three months <laughs> and, and sort them out mid-season. That would be great, no problem. And then two weeks up, he was like, your beehives are still here. Are you going to be moving them anytime soon? And I'm thinking, oh, bugger, I've got to do this all over again. <laughs> um, but no, when I went back, it, I, was, I was quite fortunate. I literally took them apart. They're relatively calm. I put them in a couple of uh, poly-nuke boxes I was donated at the same time. And I was able to send them to a new uh, location. I'm quite fortunate that um, a plant nursery um, has uh, given me sort of free roam of their site. And I've now got five beehives there. So they, they, that's where they went. Um, I unfortunately had to uh, re-queen. Uh, the, the queen's got the chop. And uh, they've been great ever since. And again, just to give a bit of explanation as to why you might do that, obviously, the queen is the only one that's, that's laying the egg. So obviously if she's not laying a good egg in, and, and they're being pretty nasty colony, then the only way to really change that is to change the genetics in the colony. And, and to do that, it's uh, out with the old and, and in with the new. So I was going to ask, what did you do? Did they just calm down or did you have to buy some new queens to put in well, these colonies? Like, like you said, the queen set, sets the temperament, her pheromone sets the temperament for the hive. So, as you said, it's a matter of changing the genetics. So I literally uh, um, got rid of them and let them uh, requeen naturally, um, uh, which, which is another subject which um, uh, leads you on to all these uh, importation of bees. But um, to be honest, it'd be good to get your opinion on that because I know there's another petition circulating about these uh, Brexit um, legislation in regards uh, to the importation of nukes. Queens. Yes, so you can yeah. import queens, but not nukes. Yeah, yeah. So you can you can get your your bees one by one, but when you think that a colony in its peak could be sixty or thousand bees, you're, you're missing a few others there. And correct. Uh, yeah, in in some nicer temperaments where the bees might build up in numbers a little bit earlier, and you want to get a booster and get ahead for your colonies over here, you might be importing some. And yeah. There seems to be a bit of a gap in the whole Brexit negotiation where, yeah, you can bring a bee in one by one as long as it's a queen, but you have to leave everyone else over over in the EU for the time being. Oh, correct. But you, you've got to think there's obviously a bit of a positive there that um, the, the people that are importing them en masse are, I would say, the more big wigs of beekeeping. Don't get me wrong, I don't think there's any big wigs in beekeeping. No one's, it's not a, a, a lottery <laughs> winning, a winning profession. Um, however, you don't get the smaller guys that sort of got 20, 30 hives importing from Italy. It's it's the, the businesses that go, you know, we can potentially import it a little bit cheaper and get a little bit of profit on. Um, but it's it's essentially a little bit of a opening opening of the market for, let's say, people like myself that have got sort of 20, 20 hives and would like to split and then produce locally uh, for consumers. Definitely. I don't think you would have every beekeeper um, being against that decision because there'd be a lot of people advocating for locally bred colonies for the region that they're in and, and actually bees in certain regions are, are better in that Shoot region it. rather than importing, yeah, importing from, from different Because I have heard so. a couple of sort of nonsense arguments going, well, if you don't import them, you don't import the disease. But at the same time, you know, we've been importing bees for years now. Uh, a new magical disease mm -hmm. is not going to erupt straight away. We've we've got more more issues with the Asian hornet rather than uh, potentially a new disease. 
So we've got we've gone back to the beginning. We've gone through a bit of your your histories. All in, how was twenty twenty season for you? Uh, to be honest, rather successful. Uh, really, really fantastic. Um, I was able to double my colonies. Um, I introduced, I think, five new people to beekeeping. Um, I, I wouldn't say, I'm prob- as you're probably aware, um, uh, local associations can be quite niche. Um, I do like the individuals in mind, but beekeepers like to keep secrets to themselves and they don't share, which kind of <laughs> potentially puts off new young guns trying to get in. Uh, but now I'm trying to bring them around yeah. to my way and try and get more people involved. So as I said, um, and I got um, eight eight swarms, so I had a good year. Uh, they've they've now overwintered, yeah, and um, hopefully looking to once again double and expand a little bit more, having found new new locations. So it's all positive for me. How about yourself? Uh, yeah, good. 2020 was the first year I was getting back into into the bees. So set the garden up, and and yeah got called out to four swarms, caught three. One was flying off over the person's fence whilst I was on the phone to another beekeeper asking for advice. You turn you back for a minute and they're like, see you later. Um, But they've all all wintered, um, topped up fondant in one today just because, yeah, it's going to be a cold snap all all week. So, um, yes, make sure they got something there. So, yeah, good season for me and and they've all come through. I thought thought the last swarm I picked up wasn't going to make it just because they didn't really get going. Um, so I'm surprised they've made it this far, if I'm being honest. One of the other things I wanted to talk to you about, obviously the name Helper Hive and, and looking at the website and, and looking at the Instagram. So for, for the non-beekeepers out there, can you tell us a bit more about the, the sponsorship and, and that side of things that you're trying yeah, to do? Yeah, no, well? absolutely. Thank, thanks for asking. So um, to be honest, it was probably the worst year out of, in, in the last, let's say, 10 years for me to come up with this ridiculous idea. Um, however, to be honest, as any beekeeper out there knows, you know, beekeeping does become a bit of a set, an obsession, as I'm sure you're aware. Uh, everyone looks forward to it. As soon as uh, the spring flowers come out, people are out uh, waiting for the temperature to get enough just to get in that hive, see if they survived, how they're doing, have they got enough of everything they need to carry on. Uh, so at the same time, I thought, you know, this is something I'd like to pursue. I'd like to get involved more in beekeeping. I'd like to encourage more people to get involved in beekeeping. As I said earlier, bees are, are such a key pollinator and I think David Attenborough um, even said if, if bees disappeared we'd only have five years to live I was thinking you know how, how, how can I help and I came up with an idea of help a hive and the fundamentals is is, is trying to get people to sponsor a hive um, uh, I, I, the cornerstone I was looking at was uh, companies corporations as part of their sort of social corporate responsibility to sponsor a beehive and it wouldn't wouldn't sort of be a, a sponsor of Beehive and you get a certificate. I was thinking, you know, what, what can I give back to companies and give back to people to encourage them to sponsor? And I go, well, bees produce honey. People like honey. Well, hopefully people like honey. It, it's a natural product. It's a substitute potentially. My wife oh, doesn't. really? Yeah, that's what I've got to live with. <laughs> more for you, <laughs> more for the me's. Well, more for my daughter, yeah. <laughs> Potentially a bit of a win-win. Um, but, yeah, it's a substitute, <laughs> substitute. Um, sugar for it. I've got a couple of uh, uh, people that buy regularly for me, and they've gone, you know, we've just tried to cut out sugar in its entirety and replace it with honey, which is, is fantastic. But I was hoping as part of sort of uh, the return to companies for sponsoring a beehive was, you know, here's, a, here's 30, 40, 50 jars of honey to give back to your employees. 
and and it's an idea that's mm-hmm. always developing if if it gets some traction i would then love to team up um with a a, a charity a beekeeping charity and going you know 10% of all my sponsorship then goes to charity. If a company doesn't want the honey that they sponsored through a hive, I would sell that and then give the proceeds to charity as a sort of this, uh, this bubble to work towards helping the environment. It's a great initiative, which is why I wanted to, to pick up on it in, in this session. And I think that even for those individuals who might have wanted to have got into beekeeping but still feel as though they want to do their piece environmentally, then, then I would encourage you to go over to helperhive.uk and, and have a look at the various options there uh, and, and do get in contact and have the conversation. So moving into 2021, what are the plans for this season? Oh, as I, as I touched base earlier with the potential ban on importing nukes, not queens, um, I'm, I'm hopefully going to try and fill that market a little bit as best as I can locally. Like I said I'm not, not big enough to be providing the whole country, but I'd like to potentially be able to breed more locally and produce um uh, along with help a hive once again to try and make my my dream my vision a little bit more sustainable i'm looking for a bit of land at the moment to potentially have a couple of acres of just wildflowers have 20 30 hives um on there and kind of build up uh an apiary um with a baseline to, to kind of expand because i'm i'm sure sure you're aware it takes one uh, farmer to get stung to then go, no, you've got to move your beehives. I'd love something fixed that I own uh, to expand on. And so if anyone's listening, obviously you're looking for that piece of land, where's your neck of the woods? Where would that idea uh, be? I'm quite fortunate that I'm based in Kent's uh, God's country, country, uh, the uh, Garden of England, as, as, as it's known. Um, I, to be honest, I'm quite local, quite open. Um, uh, my job role allows me to be are quite flexible. Um, I'm closer to out towards the sticks um, near an area called Betherston would be quite nice. Canterbury, uh, you've got uh, the Canterbury Cathedral, which is a nice area. I'm currently in discussions with them uh, to put a couple of beehives on one of their flat roofs, which would be absolutely fantastic. So I don't know if you know or your uh, listeners know that uh, the the tragic tragic incident of uh, Notre Dame burning down uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, Notre Dame actually had three beehives on the roof and um, the beehives survived the inferno. Yeah, that came up on my feed the other day. I was scrolling through something and it might have been researching for one of these sessions, but I, I hadn't realised that. But then, yeah, when I read that the other day, I thought that was quite fascinating. They got their own article and everything. It's phenomenal. <laughs> it, it just shows you how resilient um, they are. And just a bit of duck. Just a bit of jargon busting for some people out there. An apiary, can you explain uh, what an apiary is for some uh, people? So an apiary, yeah, at the end of the day, is, uh, is where, where you keep your beehives. Uh, an apiary is where you locate your hives to. It, it's a, a multiple beehives that that is is your home for your hives, which in fact would be an apiary. Just a fancy word. Correct. Yeah, beehives. So you said it better Even than though me. My, mine are in the garden, I, I say it's the apiary. <laughs> What's your ambitions for the season? No, go, no, go for it. Where would you Good like to go? Question. Because I only know um, you only have a couple well, lives. You're you you haven't you you're not yeah. quite the same addict I am now. No, I easily could be, but it's just a uh, young family, time constraints, and and space. The 
the fact that I've got the colonies in the garden means that anything I need to do is, is on the doorstep. If I forget some equipment, it's just Absolutely. here in the garage. And so it's really easy for me. As much as I'd like to, yeah, maybe get an out apiary and, and increase those numbers, just, yeah, from, from a time commitment and, and everything else at the moment, that's not quite right for me. So my main concern is just making sure there aren't too many swarms going into the neighbours' gardens because I'm in, in the middle of town. The neighbours all know that the bees are here, but I think I said in, an, in another uh, podcast, just waiting for the, uh, the WhatsApp to go off saying, Tim, your bees are in my garden. Can you come and pick them up? So the, the success for me would be making sure I don't get many of those messages this yeah, season. Yeah, sure. No, I, I totally understand that. Like I said, I'm I'm the centre of town as well. I've got, I've got similar neighbours. However, they're easily bribed with honey. <laughs> yeah, they they've taken to the honey fairly well. That's been their my yes. main market. And so, advice for beekeepers out there, new and seasoned. What what pearls of wisdom have you picked up in your experiences? That that I suppose, if I rephrase the question, what one bit of advice do you wish you had been told? as you were starting out? Um, I, I, to be honest, I, I think the list is endless. Uh, I, to be honest, I think probably the key <laughs> one is always have extra. The amount of times I, I, I would say I've been caught mm-hmm. with my pants down, always always check your your equipment thoroughly, that you've potentially got an extra hive. The fact that you get that that additional swarm, you go, bugger, am I going to have to get, call someone else to go collect it? Do I collect it? Have I got to give it away? No, No one wants to give away a swarm. Um, but it, to be honest, uh, the only other uh, issue I had I actually had last year. Um, so I, I did an inspection. This was sort of at September time. So it was coming end of August, beginning of September. I was taking all my supers off. I was like, yes, happy days. And and I, I took the lid off one to find that wasps had been robbing a super. And uh, what I hadn't realised was taking the super on and off. It was only a very, very tiny one, but a knot had fallen out the wood. And it was just a perfect tiny wasp-sized hole that they'd been um, robbing it for the past um, sort of week. So when I'd gone back to it, I'd actually lost about 80% of that super. So going back to it, I'd say always have extra, always have additional equipment floating about. You just don't know uh, when you're going to need it. And also check your existing equipment. You beat me to it. I'd, I'd written down here lessons learned about not in the wood on one of your supers so I was going to raise that because I thought that was a really interesting one we often think about oh yeah we've got the super but don't we we sometimes think about yeah we need to torch it just to give it a good clean but don't always think about it being solid in as far as yeah and not having fallen out and the wasp getting access to rob it so yeah you you picked up on the one that I had clocked on uh, on Instagram as part of my research so we've spoken quite a bit about honey where and when will people be able to buy um, your so, honey from? So uh, I, I sell on the doorstep. I'm quite fortunate, like yourself, you probably know, being in the centre of town, I advertise on Facebook, uh, on my website. Um, uh, this is the first year, actually, which is a, which is a bit of an interesting one. Um, I don't know if you've heard about it, the Great Taste Awards. Um, a friend kind of pointed me in their direction, I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. To be honest, it's absolutely, um, uh, uh, I think, um, I'm trying to think of the best word now, um, heartbreaking because all i would say my finest honey has been sold i think my summer honey was uh, the best it, it kind of went left right and center and i'm, I'm kind kind of got to the dregs and uh, over sort of november december my set friend sent me a link going you know what? if you're thinking kind of let's say break into the london markets of the uh, organic gourmet 
uh, small shops, send send your honey off to great taste. But what what I didn't realize is they they do uh, the marking, they they grade it all at um, March April time. I'm thinking, hang on, you'll give me a great taste for 2021. However, my honey's not ready. I've got another three, four months until my first batch is ready. So what, what I didn't realize is I should have kept a couple of jars from my summer to enter for this year. So they, they when it comes to honey, they mark last yeah. year's product for this year, which is a bit um, obscure. But anyway, going back to it, I'm hoping to... Yeah, I was going to say it's interesting, but it can easily change season by season if you just lift a super off a week or two earlier and... and... Harvest that uh, exactly, and kind of having it farmers are growing locally. Yeah, um, yeah. But anyway, going back to it, I'm, I'm I'm sending a couple of jars that I've I've got left. Hopefully, uh, fingers crossed that I get even get one star. You know, if I get two or three, I'll be over the moon. But you know what? I'll I'll be happy. It'll be great news if I even get a uh, one star. And then I'm hoping uh, to approach, as I said earlier, a couple of sort of organic shops in London, hoping to um, bring my my product to them. In doing my research, I saw that people can also buy some candles from you and the wax. And the other thing I was interested in is you selling your honey in a full frame. So uh, I saw that you did some of that as well. Is that something people might be able to Yeah, absolutely. So it was uh, an interesting uh, one. Once again, it was uh, another recommendation by uh, uh, a friend in Lincoln who's a beekeeper. And uh, I, I was also I went out to Italy last year and at the breakfast bar, they just had a frame of honey, and I was thought, you know, I quite like this. This is a great idea. So I advertised it, and I I only did one super, and I sold all ten frames. So it's literally in the wooden frame uh, as a super. Um, it, it can be posted uh, or collected locally, and I, I just give people a whole frame uh, to do as they wish. And I think you know, it's it's uh, if, if you're at a barbecue, even at a breakfast, it's just quite a nice centerpiece. And so presumably that was, that super was all on unwired uh, yes. foundation. Yeah, no, that's right. It, was... it was a completely natural un yeah. unwired foundation. Um, but but this year I'm I'm hoping uh, to potentially. Uh, well, it's been a small hobby for the past couple of years. Is working, uh, creating meads and and soap. Um, it, it should, it's just trying to find all the fantastic opportunities and the uh, byproducts that um, bees produce. Of you know what can I do with it all. Um, but at the end of the day, um, unfortunately, uh, with, with COVID, uh, the idea of sponsoring a hive, it wasn't unfortunately as successful as I was hoping it to be this year, that now I've, I'm trying to use my ingenuity to find out other products to help help this idea move forward. So as, as we come into land, there's one question that I, uh, I want to finish with and asking everyone week by week. What are your jobs this week? Um, <laughs> you probably saw on uh, one of my uh, pictures that I've uh, had a, a pallet delivered. Um, it, you said that's it, only one of two as well, I think. Uh, one it of the is delivery, uh, it? one of two. So that pallet uh, contained, uh, I think it was 14 new hives um, uh, that comes with frames, fondants. And uh, my, my next one is... Uh, as you know, Christmas is the best time for discounts and every beekeeper gets carried away, just signs their life away, their mortgage to, to get new equipment. Um, so I've, I've got fondant for next year. Um, I've got some new nuke boxes. Um, but over over the next couple of weeks, it will be slowly building uh, those hives. I, th I think circa 
four or five hundred frames and and putting fondant into Tupperware boxes. That's a, that's a busy week. And I'm just doing my maths here. You said you've got 18 colonies, you've got 14 new hives. So that's going to take you up to 32 plus the nukes that you've got. So it's going to be a busy season for you if you yeah, manage indeed. to fill everything. But there's, there's, I would say, a short of a market when I, well, I'm sure you found this when, and and my friends that I've got into beekeeping this year, uh, they they kind of go, you know, there's so many different hives, there's so many different options, and then you've got to buy bees. However, there's no one out there that just kind of provides a product of, okay, here's a hive with eight frames uh, full of bees uh, already built out. You don't have to put it. Here's, here's a beehive ready to go. And I thought, and, and to be honest, that was one of the uh, things I thought, well, why don't I just provide a, a beehive full of bees for people? It, it cuts out the middleman, the the... Uh, the, the chaos that comes with uh, starting up and it's all there ready to go. So that's why I invested a little bit into the additional beehives to see if there was any traction there. Sure. Now, just before we wrap up, there's one post which uh, which I, I really liked your comment on it. And this was going back to, to March last year. And I'm just going to read your comment. In the midst of recent chaos, I share the calm collective nature of bees. No matter how tough it gets, bees will work as a single entity to succeed. If you take one element away from them, the whole hive fails. As a society, we should strive to take an example from nature. And I think that you you put that 18th of March 2020, given where we are, obviously, into February 2021. I think that just struck a chord. There's still so much in that where we currently are. And given a number of the conversations that, that we've had, just encouraging people to yeah, get out and, and go and, and do that exploring. If we can, try and find out who your local beekeeper is, have that conversation with them. And I think that, yeah, the more people have that connection back with nature and, and that grounding, I think that that's really going to be a theme that comes out of this series. And, and this oh, I absolutely agree, and I hope so. Um, I, I hope uh, where, wherever tough we are now, uh, people do find the positive out of it. And I think when we do come out of it, there, there will only be uh, more positives where people will go to the pub. Hopefully people will get together, um, go to barbecues uh, like you would years ago. Like you'd have more barbecues. People come to you to see you and have a great time. So, no, I'm, hopefully in the long run, this will just bring us closer together and provide more opportunities. So, look, Saul, with that, I'm going to, to wrap this podcast up, this episode. Thank you so much for joining me today. I've really enjoyed this conversation and look forward to hearing. No, no, great. No, thank you very much. It's been uh, fantastic to chat to you. And um, I hopefully in due course, I, do, I get another invitation back. Oh, I'm sure you will. <laughs> Hi everyone, thanks for taking the time to join me today for the Paddock Bees pod. Really hope you found it useful. I'd love for you to come back and to give me some extra feedback. So like I've said before, head over to Instagram, send me a direct message. I want to hear from you. I want to know what you want to hear about. So please don't hesitate to give me your thoughts. Once again, thanks for joining. See you next time. Bye.